Hello and welcome to the Let's Talk Is Your podcast with your hosts Sam Foote and Anne Armstrong. If you're new here, we're a pair of Azure and Microsoft 365 focused IT security professionals. It's episode 15 of season 4. Alan and I had a discussion around insider risk management recently. It's a compliance solution to discover and manage potential insider risks in your organization. Here are a few things that we covered. What are insider risks and why organizations manage these risks? What is insider risk management? Which systems can be monitored? And how insider risk management allows organizations to take actions on these identified risks? We've noticed that a large number of you aren't subscribed. If you do enjoy our podcast, please do consider subscribing. It would mean a lot for us for you to show your support to the show. It's a really great episode, so let's jump into it. Hey, Alan, how are you doing? Hey, Sam, not doing too bad. How are you? Yeah, very good. Thank you. Um, Anything new and exciting in the world of um, Azure and security this week? Uh, No, not that I'm aware of. All the product teams that um, turn to Alan now from Microsoft. <laughs> um, uh, we've obviously had um, uh, Ignite is obviously coming up, um, which is exciting. Lots of um, potential new um, additions um, coming out of there. Anything yeah, else that um, you can sort of think of? Um, I think um, this week, thinking about it, um, the Microsoft 365 Copilot was announced to go GA in November. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I think that's the first one of the first ones to to do that. So it's gonna be just before Ignite, I think. Nice. Yeah, that'd be really interesting to see um you know the the efficiency gains that organizations can potentially make um with three six five copilot. Um is it is it something that you've uh, played around with yet? No, I've not had a chance. I've seen some of the stuff potentially it can do. Seems interesting. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think we should take a look at it, but I don't think it's something we'll probably purchase on top right away anyway. Yeah, exactly. I think you've got to be able to realise some real efficiency gains, right, to make that investment, um, which I'm sure in certain circumstances you could definitely make, right, um, if, if you've got a workload that aligns well to it. Just could be really interesting to see. It's more of a productivity sort of skew, right? It's not really in the, our day to day focus, if if that makes sense. So it'd be really interesting to see um, some real uh, use cases um, come out of that area. Yeah, exactly. That's probably what the the security code part is going to do for us. Make efficiencies where we can. Okay, so insider risk management, Alan. Um, should should we get started? Yeah, sure. So. So Sam, what what do we classify as insider risk? Okay, yeah. So I I to start off with, I thought I'd take it back um, to sort of the most uh, basic part of it, really. And um, when we think about um, a data risk in the organisation, um, a lot of the times we um, tend to focus on you know technology and security controls for preventing you know data data leakage. Um, and that could be, you know, basic security hygiene, posture management. Um, there could be many different like technical controls that you put in place. Um, and one area that is of real focus is um, what we call insider risk. And this is effectively the humans um, inside um, our organizations. 
I think it's probably worth pointing out to start off with is that the term insider risk, I, I, I don't really like using that term in some respects because it, it, I don't know, to me, it feels like it's got connotations that it's um, malicious insider risk, right? Um, but I think one thing is probably worth calling out now is that, you know, there's a lot of insider risk that comes from inadvertent activity. I'll give you an example of this. So let's say, you know, your SharePoint permissions are overly permissive and you allow people in your organization to share, you know, public links to files in your organization without anybody having to log in, as an example, you know, sort of the most permissive setting um, inside of SharePoint. Now, if if your controls are set at that level, then any user it legitimately in your organization um, can share uh, information. Now, um, there, you know, that that user behavior is sort of enticed um, by your, you know, your your position or your 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 permission setting uh, there in SharePoint. So what we would say there is, you know, that that is it's an, it is an insider risk because a human's actually undertaken that action, but they've done it, you know, in a sort of legitimate environment because they've been allowed um, to do it. Let's say, you know, you have very restrictive um, SharePoint settings. And then at that point, a user, um, you know, and let's say legitimately from a, you know, a, a business perspective, you know, their day to day workflow, they need to share a file um, with an external external uh, you know, um, user. So let's say you've got somebody in marketing that's sharing marketing collateral externally. They might look to a Dropbox or a um, a WeTransfer, a USB stick, you know, um, any any other medium to try and um, uh, move that data outside the organization. And really, this is under the umbrella of data loss prevention. You know, this is where we put security controls in to uh, try and limit or at least um, discover um, these these activities happening. You know, in this episode, we're not really going to dive into data loss prevention. We will, we'll definitely have another episode on it um, in the future. But essentially, data loss prevention is, as it says, <laughs> you know, preventing data loss um, from the organization. So, um, so what what we start to get when we talk about data loss prevention, we start to start feed in signals um, to, to 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 get visibility of you know, uh, data leaving at of the organization at the edge. So it, it may be that you use um, something like Defender for Endpoint on your machines to um, look and um, identify traffic and uh, files leaving those uh, devices. It could be, you know, detecting somebody plugging in a USB stick, transferring a bunch of files onto it, and then, you know, um, uh, exfiltrating uh, data that way. Um and data loss prevention can also be in email, Teams, SharePoint, OneDrive, um, many of a many variety of sources. Now, in your organization, you may not block these activities. Um, some organizations go to the level of you know blocking USB sticks, putting data loss prevention policies in place to actually you know block the exfiltration of this data, trying to put up walls. Um, now. You know, any one of these signals that we may have um, 
may not constitute risky behavior from a user. And that is because what you can what you can see with with real insider risks is like a sort of a chain, a sequence of events that lead to data exfiltration. So it may be that somebody um, syncs a new folder from OneDrive um, and then they, or SharePoint, and then they plug in a USB stick and exfiltrate some data that way. Um, so it's what insider risk management does is it's, it, is it aims to correlate these events together. So you, you might have a DLP policy that would raise an alert on, you know, uh, files being sent via email. But if you did that for everybody all the time, that could be very noisy because there could be a lot of, you know, legitimate information leaving the organization via email. Um, but also you might want to highlight, you know, when sensitive information is leaving the organization. Let's say you have sensitivity labels and you want to make sure that no sensitive information is leaving the organization. So inside a risk um, it is, I would say, like an umbrella tool um, above uh, DLP. It can utilize DLP policies and it's got its own sort of policy creation, I'll call it engine, um, built in. Uh, but essentially what it's doing is it's monitoring for user activity ranking that activity on a risk scale, piecing it together, and then raising alerts um, where applicable. Um, and so you're you're sort of piecing together uh, multiple bits of data um, in, into one area. Okay, cool. So it's, you're talking about inside, inside of risks being you know, users either potentially accidentally sort of you know leaking data or you know sharing data things like that but also could be uh you know the more frequent one would be a, a malicious act to exfiltrate data maybe from a you know maybe they're leaving the organization as a trigger or or, or things like that yeah and uh, yeah so there's there's definitely two sides to it you know um and i i think when um i talk to uh, customers uh, about it uh, there's a there's a big skew on malicious um risk right you know uh, disgruntled employees uh levers to the organization um and specific you know um, events in an employee's you know um tenure at an organization which could you know um, put them at a higher risk um they could also be you know a um a more sensitive user in the organization you know they could be like a head of finance or something like that who primarily deals in more sensitive information so their risk scores and modifiers are, are different um but a lot of the time we do see a lot of you know inadvertent and accidental insider risk and data leakage in in organizations you know um you know, um, who enforces that the the permission settings in SharePoint and OneDrive for sharing? You know, how do we know that our, our back model is there and our DLP policies are, you know, in scope of all users? Um, you know, insider risk really sits a level above that sort of um, watching many different signals um, to try and identify those types of patterns. Okay, so... I think we've kind of talked about this a little bit, but you know, how does Microsoft Insider Risk Management help you know, with these risks? 
So obviously it's giving you that visibility. Uh, we, we've spoken about that. But also what it's um, doing is it's also giving you a system on uh, to give to take action um, on those identified risks. So, you know, it, it's one thing to actually be able to identify and correlate this data. But then when you're actually investigating an insider risk, there's a process that may need to be followed internally. Maybe there's different stakeholders that need to be um, engaged on it. So it's also giving you um, sort of an, uh, um, an ops um, process and, and tooling um, to, to take you through that um, basically step by step. Okay, cool. So that sounds really good as well. So it's not just alerting you on a you know, possible insider risk, but it's also helping you with that, going through that process of doing the you know, the reporting, investigation, etc. Um, okay, so how how do you define policies in insider risk management? Okay, so it's um it's probably worth calling out that there are some inbuilt, predefined templates for policies, um, which um are really great starting point um uh, uh, let's talk about a few of those scenarios they're quite self-explanatory um data theft by departing users so effectively what you can do is you can connect um your hr system i won't go into the details of that because that can get a bit um technical but effectively you can connect your hr system and you can um basically um tell inside a risk management when certain um, events are happening on a specific in, in a specific user's case. So, as an example, um, you can feed in from your HR system um, when a user is departing the organization. You can also identify the day that they handed in their notice, as an example, and then you can ident uh, you can uh, tell insider risk management the day they're actually leaving the organization, and then that won't necessarily make them fire loads of alerts but a that's going to feed into that risk model to you know to look at you know um if we talk about malicious um insider risk for this one um you know um this user has never shared anything on a usb stick ever since they've been at the organization and then suddenly they start downloading gigabytes worth of information from sharepoint and putting on a usb stick i don't really want to go with the negative you know scary angle but i'm just trying to give you an example of you know actual data theft by a departing user um it's probably worth calling out now that you do really need to think about you know maybe any regulatory risks or user privacy risks um uh, sorry not risk uh well regulatory compliance um sort of initiatives that you need to follow or anything that's inside your um your your privacy statements internally you know because you are effectively correlating a bunch of you know quotes private um signals um on a user and you are um looking at that there there is another tool which i'm not going to talk about today which is very closely linked to insider risk because it's another part of insider risk which is called communication compliance um i will do an episode on communication compliance but really that is looking at actual communication so it's a bit more it's a bit deeper in terms of a user's privacy this might be one-to-one -one messages between um, people in teams and things like that this is really looking at data leaving the organization not necessarily you know text between two users or, or something like that um 
data leaks. So this is sharing of um, or you know um, DLP kicking in effectively to make uh, to see uh, what data is uh, leaking outside of uh, the organization. Um, and then you've also got sort of some modifiers on top of that. You've got priority users. So I've I've mentioned this uh, briefly in passing that you might assign different um, users as being priority users. It might be like your C-suite might be priority users, you know, your heads of, your management, um, people that would generally tend to have access to more sensitive information because of their role. You know, it might be that, you know, you might have a product team that deals with intellectual properties. So you might put those as priority users as well because they have direct access to your, you know, if you're a product company or, you know, um, you, you you might be building that intellectual property in-house. Um, security policy violations. This is basically feeding in um, signals from Defender for Endpoint, looking at um, security policy violations on machines, so the compliance status of machines. Um, think making sure that machines are patched, making um, trying to understand any uh, vulnerabilities that are on those machines, and also feeding that in. Um, because there could be a correlation between people with, um, um, you know, out of date uh, machines. Um, maybe they've been breached. Maybe their identity is being used to exfiltrate data. You know, that's another uh, common scenario as well. You might have an insider risk that's not actually driven by the actual user themselves as well. So feeding information from Defender for Endpoint is um, is 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 important. Um, there are a couple that I've I've never really looked at, which is patient data misuse. That's not really a scenario that I've actually had, to, and that's still in preview. Um, and then there's risky browser usage as well now. So that's I think that's feeding in signals from uh, block lists in Defender for Endpoint about hits to um, your your block lists from a web filtering um, perspective. So 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 yeah, so you can you can start off with those. Um, you can also feed in um, information alerts from your own custom DLP policies as well. You can base a policy um, in Insider Risk Management on a DLP policy um, if you would prefer to add your own metrics in. Because it might be that, you know, um, you want to alert on different types of information or, or labeling or sensitive information types, trainable classifiers, uh, things like that as well. Okay, cool. That sounds like a lot there. And I think if I remember, there's quite a lot of, even though you've got those policies, there's also quite a lot of um, triggers. Are they called triggers? Triggers and data points that you can use as well, isn't there, to, to identify those types of activity? Yeah. And it's it's probably worth saying that the amount of customization you can do on these policies is pretty bananas, um, in, in a good way, I'd say. Um I see really good benefit in just out of box default settings. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about when we get to alerts, um, but you know, um, there's um, there's modif the the best way to describe it at a high level. There's modifiers and different properties you can set on these policies to tweak how they do fire and when they fire, because with a lot of these tools, especially around DLP they can become extremely noisy. And that's something that I think organizations are a bit worried about. Um, I, I've got a quote from uh, that somebody once told me. It's, it's like, well, 
it's great I'm getting all these alerts and all this discovery, but I'm going to need to hire somebody to just manage the output of it, right? So it's, it is probably worth saying that you should um, carefully consider the amount of policies that you enable and also how you tune those policies when as you're creating them. Um, I don't know about you, Alan, but my sort of feeling on it is is that you will need to refine those policies potentially multiple um, times to get them to a place that you're comfortable that you know um, you're not getting uh, false positives um, at that point. Yeah, definitely. There's definitely um, even with some of the other products like Microsoft Defender Cloud Apps, you know, there is tuning in that as well because it can be noisy initially because you might have like you said it might you might have a scenario that is valid use of you know sharing files things like that like you said um which might cause false positives so yeah it's definitely all it's definitely you you know baseline's good to start with but then it's tweaked to the organization's uniqueness i guess is one way to put it yeah yeah um, because because and that's right because all organizations are different you know if you were just a um let's say you were a design studio and all you did was create IP for clients and send them to them on OneDrive, right? You know, that's very different than, um, what's a good example um, of people that don't wouldn't share much many files. Maybe you're an accountancy practice, right? And you don't share like accounts directly with customers. Maybe you've got like a SaaS application that you do all of that in, and it's all secure. And it would be weird for somebody to download like the accounts of a customer and put them on a USB stick as an example right um and it and it may be that you know um just using dlp for that um isn't appropriate um for the tracking of that yeah and there'd be some similarities in you know different industry you know um, verticals and things like that but again there's still another layer of uniqueness again yeah exactly yeah okay so uh if a risk is identified, how do we investigate it? Okay, so the the first starting point for any risk that's identified um, it is is an alert to be um, triggered. Um, and an alert is it, it's like well, it, I suppose it's no different to any other alert actually in the sort of the defender world. Um, a, an alert will be raised, and it's probably worth um, and sort of calling out that you initially need to triage um, that alert that's raised. And when we're talking about triaging, um, we're talking about giving feedback to the tool about how you want to progress that alert. Because one thing that Insider Risk Management does is it, it, it tunes itself based on the feedback that you give it about specific users. So as an example, um, Sam from marketing shares uh, loads of information all the time. Um, alert after alert gets triggered because all this information keeps getting um, shared. Um, and what you can then do is that you can effectively dismiss that alert and that will feed back and, and tune that um, f for that specific user. Um, and what's really great about sort of the alert interface is you get a list of alerts and you can drill into one. And what it then does is it shows you all of the risk factors which have accumulated to get to the decision that alert should have been raised. So what you'll see, you'll see is you'll see exfiltration activities. 
So you'll see like, um, um, let's say a user had 2000 exfiltration activities. They copied 500 items to a USB stick. They downloaded 200 items from SharePoint and then they you know, emailed uh, my maths about 1300 files um, to ex you know, external recipients uh, via email. Um, but that might not be enough um, to trigger an alert. It might be the accumulation of those um, over and over again. So it might be that, you know, uh, day, you know, the copy to the USB drive was the last thing. You know, they sync these files and, you know, it's really going to show you the sequence of activities that have uh, have led up to that. And and really, you know, when we're talking about roles and responsibilities, because we haven't actually talked about this really, really is a lot of the time when organizations are in, in investigating insider risk, there's multiple stakeholders involved. You know, there's IT, um, you know, and SecOps, compliance, um, actually looking um, at these signals. And maybe they're initially triaging it. You know, I, I've had an example where um, somebody's triggered an exfiltration activity and I, I've been on a call with an IT admin. It's like, oh, well, that's triggered because we you know, uh, reset their laptop and they resynced the whole of their OneDrive, their whole marketing folder came down. And then they did share some files externally, which is just normal for, for that user. But those two things combined are a bit like odd for a user to, um, to happen. Um, so you are going to see those cumulative exfiltration, um, you know, um, activities um, happening. You're going to see the information about the user. It's going to rank it with a score out of 100 about how severe uh, the system thinks that alert is. So you're going to you're going to get all of this information, um, you know, sort of displayed at, at you right, right away. Then you could start to look at the um, the um, activity explorer. What the activity explorer does is it gives you a timeline. It's a bunch of dots with lines. It's quite a, it's quite a very, it's quite an interesting sort of um, graph the way that it's presented. But what you can then do is you can look at the activity of a user with everything in and around the risky activity as well. So what you can really do is you can drill in to see what a user's been up to in and around the risky activity. Because it might be that, you know, um, the folder that was synced was a you know, non-commercial you know, marketing folder. And actually, it's fine for them to share that information. Or it could be that, you know, they 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 synchronized a bunch of confidential information and exfiltrated um, exfiltrated that way. Um, you can also look back. Um, I won't go into all of the areas, but you can also look back into the history of a user about how many other alerts they've had as well and investigate those alerts that have previously happened, even if they've been dismissed in the past. So you can start to really see a history of that user and really get a context of, OK, well, this user, you know, a few times they've triggered these and we've sort of dismissed them as false positives. But now it's starting to become a pattern. We're seeing exfiltration activity once a month. You know, um, every time the accounts are run every month, we're seeing exfiltration of that information every single month. You know, that is it's, you know. Maybe you wouldn't let that go on for months, but, you know, you can start to correlate those events um, together. Um, I won't go too deep into it because I can't really 
explain it that that well to be totally honest with you there's a few different ways that you can investigate um those alerts okay cool so there's definitely a lot of tooling there to help with that process and like you said and was there i can't remember whether it was this product or if it was communication compliance but i think can you anonymize the users that are being in well they've triggered it initially so that you can, you can do some do like initial investigation you can do that for both sides, okay. um, communication compliance and insider risk, yeah. So, yeah, that's a really good point to, to call out. So it might be that you might not want the person that's responsible um, for this system to know the specific users that um, are triggering uh, these, um, these alerts. And that could simply be a case of um, it could be themselves, um, it could be um, somebody else in their team. Um, so you can um, un like pseudo anonymize, anonymize um, their usernames so that you don't actually see their real names until it actually gets opened. You bring your stakeholders in um, to take it to the next um, stage. Cool. Yeah, that sounds really powerful as well. Because, like you said, if you <laughs> comes up for yourself, <laughs> you you may just be like to dismiss. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but um but yeah okay so, so how do we take action then on an identified risk okay so um so you've you've you, you've had a policy trigger you've got an alert you've triaged it and then you've you've basically said okay it's ready for us you know and, and you've investigated it uh it, you can then sort of um, take action so you can you can conf it's probably worth it's probably worth talking about the creation of the case um, because the case is really what turns an alert into a, you know, a working area really. And what, when, when you start this, you can feed these actions into um, e-discovery. You can also feed them into um, Sentinel, um, into your seam, basically to raise these alerts um, as, as they come in, it's probably worth um, calling out. So um, taking action. So we, so what we then get is we then get a case dashboard. So we can see the case information and then we can, um, you can assign ownership of a case to um, someone else. And what that, that, what that really allows you to do is if you're in a larger organization, it might not, you might be the one that's identifying these risks and you might be passing it to another team to actually um, go on and actually act um, action when you build a case um, you then see the alerts that have triggered um, into into that case and the people that can then uh, that have access to that case um, can then see all of the information that has been raised but just in that specific area you can um, you can look at the content explorer which then actually allows you to see the content that has triggered um, that that alert. Um, so you would, and to be fair, you can see that in the alert anyway, but you would then start to look through uh, that content to understand, you know, what is actually been um, exfiltrated um, from the organization. Um, and you can build case notes um, in there so that you can actually, you know, um, uh, describe and document the processes that you've actually been through whilst investigating that case. 
Um, contributors can be brought into the case um, to um, basically um, add context um, and to give their input on investigation of that user and that alert. Because it might be that, you know, um, if 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 an insider risk has been deemed appropriate, that you might bring somebody's manager um, into that case to to understand what's going on. Uh, you might bring somebody from IT in to spearhead that. You might have somebody from HR, legal, compliance. Um, if you're a smaller organization, that might just be one or two people or just maybe even one. But in larger organizations, you might want representation from uh, many different areas, especially when we're talking about uh, data theft. Um, so, um, you can escalate, um, a, a case which then, um, basically identifies it, it needs legal review. And this is where an integration with e-discovery, um, then comes into play because you may then trigger other mechanisms in your organization to prevent further, um, data loss and to really understand, uh, what that user has been doing, um, uh, because it, it might be that you've only identified one alert or aspect of, of, of what they have, they have been doing it, doing. Um, you can also run automated tasks, um, and flows for the case. So you might send a notification. Um, you might send a notification to somebody's manager when that's happened. Um, you might even notify the user themselves that when they've been added to an insider risk policy, if that's part of your policy as well, you know, uh, full visibility in that. Um, and you might, you know, want to create a record in, say, ServiceNow or something, um, you know, uh, uh, as part of that process. So it's good to have that integration for some automation for um, Power Automate. Um, you can integrate Microsoft Teams with the case as well, which will create a, um, a, a, a Microsoft team automatically when an alert is confirmed. Um, and then you can effectively um, all jump into there to discuss and, and manage that um, as, as, as you go through. So that might be appropriate for um, organizations where you've got a lot of stakeholders um, having to manage that. And then once you've gone through that process, um, you can then resolve the case and uh, resolving, you're either going to say it's like a, a benign um, a case, like, you know, it didn't actually warrant further investigation, or you can say it was actually a confirmed policy violation, which is going to feed back um, into it at, at that point. Wow. Okay. That's cool. Um, yeah. So I guess as you're going through that process, you're collecting your evidence and everything. So if it does need to go to, you know, maybe a, a legal case against, like you said, data theft and things like that then at least you, you're capturing everything you did, who was involved and things like that. So at least then you've got that audit trail, I guess, as well, which is really great. Yeah, and it's probably worth um, just calling out uh, a preview feature that's uh, that's in there, which is called um, Forensic Evidence, which is um, pretty cool. It, uh, it allows you to see uh, visually um, what was happening on a user's machine at the time of that um, that data theft. So effectively, what I believe, I haven't actually seen it um, in action, um, but it, it visually captures clips of um, security violations, uh, basically in real time on people's machines. Wow, that is that's interesting. I wanted to just call it out because I, well, it's kind of scary and really cool. <laughs> um, 
but I just wanted to call it out that um, you what what it's probably worth calling out is that you can exclude certain desktop applications in and um, and 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 websites. And there's um, multiple levels of you, you can apply multiple levels of approval um, for activating the capturing feature as well for a user. So there's there's there are some policies in place. Now I need to call out I've I haven't actually used this um, th th this part of it yet, um, but it's it's definitely something to um, also think about because some of the times what you can have the issue of with insider risk is that you see all this activity and it's hard to sort of cut through the noise. Um, really, you're you're trying to pinpoint a needle in a haystack, you know, because if you imagine a user's just working on a normal day and then they just randomly exfiltrate a bunch of files, that's one activity, you know, potentially in a, a slew of other um, activity um, as well. Yeah, cool. Okay. Well, I think I have to go and investigate that myself and see what that's like. Um, okay. So how much does it cost? How do you license it? So um, E5 um, has it um, included. And let me just get this right. It's also included inside of E5 compliance add-on. Is that right, Alan? I think that's yep. correct. And I believe there's a separate, is there a separate SKU for insider risk as well? Yeah, insider risk management one. Yeah, that gives you a few other bits as well. Right. Okay. Yeah, because it's also going to give you things like com um, uh, communication compliance, right? You know, and other. Because yeah, it's it, it. As I said before, there's a few different tools in the insider risk sort of sphere um, of tooling. Yeah. Exactly. So that's cool. Okay. So it's it's yeah. It's like some of the other products, like from the security side. You know, you can buy it as the if I have security, we can buy them sort of in their smaller SKUs as well. So that's really, really good as well. Okay. So is there anything else, Sam, that you can think of that we might have missed or not missed? Not really. I think the sort of technical complexity is in the policy and the tuning of those policies, I would say. Um, HR connection um, can be... A little tricky I'll, I'll call it a little tricky um that there is some definitely some integration that you need to do there um but and and it's probably worth calling out that i'm a real fan of insider risk management with defender for endpoint in in play as well uh because without defender for endpoint you can sort of start to get sequences forming, but you can't really see the full thing sometimes, if if that makes sense. And we saw that with the policies where, you know, there's security policy violations, there's risky website activity, there's other device related policies and activity that's flowing in there that really starts to um, get more accurate um, sequences. Because what you don't really want to do is you know, just have the viewpoint of, say, SharePoint OneDrive and email um, because you've effectively got a, a gaping hole, which is your endpoints, uh, right? You know, that you yeah. can potentially um, exfiltrate data from. So that's that's probably definitely worth um, calling out that, you know, um, this is... I, I my, my gut is, is that it's one of those tools that's really great when it's connected with other tools inside of Microsoft's ecosystem. Um, but 
if an organization is at E5 sort of level or they're purchasing E5 compliance add-ons, you know, you could probably argue that they're quite advanced in Microsoft's ecosystem um, already, right? You know, because when you're up at those levels, you know, to, to, to make them justifiable to the business, you really do need to consume them. Um, yeah. You need to consolidate your other tools and replace them with um, better together all-in-one solutions from Microsoft. So uh, I think once cus um, companies are and organizations are at that level, um, it's it's kind of a no-brainer to configure these policies, tune them, and have that level of continuous um, visibility that it, that it gives you. Yeah, definitely. And I, th and I think the only other part of the sort of the deployment of it is probably that that business process of how to manage the incidents. You may have something similar in place already, but then it's just applying it to to this, isn't it? Yeah, and we've seen some some sort of good technology integrations there as well. You know, like automations with Power Automate, teams, you know, team creation and and things like that. So, yeah, uh, really good to see. Okay, so is there anything? kind is there any of our you know any of our other episodes that kind of relate to this i had to go back in time a bit back to season <laughs> two for anything that was even close um because <laughs> um you know it is let's talk azure and um i i'm i'm including these these episodes because um <laughs> uh the purview suite I believe is hosted on Azure, right? So I'm calling it is <laughs> all one. Um, so um, I'll, the only thing that's remotely close to this one, I think, is um, information protection. We did an episode way back in season two, episode twelve. Um, so so definitely go and check that out if um, if um, you know data security and privacy is 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 a focus of yours. Yeah, we probably need to update that one, I expect. I think we need probably need to oh, recap because yeah. a lot's changed since then. I think. <laughs> exactly. I I did think about that the other day. It's like you know when all these new things happen, do we retire episodes? And you know, I don't know. I don't know how that should work. <laughs> but we'll um, yeah, we'll it'll be a a cycle. I, I assume. Um, Alan, uh, it's your episode uh, next week. So um, what are you covering? So I'm going to dive into Intune again. I think it's probably on um. You know, uh, hosted on Azure, so we can talk you about sure? it. It's not GCP <laughs> or AWS, is it? <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, we're going to talk about. Um, we've kind of, you know, been, I've been doing some episodes on, you know, bring your own devices, things like that, and you know, zero touch deployments. Um, but I think it's worth probably talking about modern management for Windows and how you can, you know, move away from, in most cases, move away from group policy on Active Directory if you're still, you know, the hybrid joined devices, and move to you know managing i think via intune so yeah great yeah that sounds good okay so did you enjoy this episode if so please do consider leaving us a review on apple or spotify this really helps us to reach out to more people like you if you have any specific feedback or suggestions we'd love to hear from you uh, we have a link in our show notes so get in contact yeah and if you've made it this far uh thank you very much and we'll catch you on the next one yep thanks all